0: Welcome to Reptipod Podcast, where we discuss keeping styles, news, and uncommon species. Your hosts for Reptipod Podcast are Kyle from D20 Exotics and Bryce from Prime Exotics, bringing you awesome content about exotics. Thank you all for joining us on this podcast. We'll be bringing on guests based off the topics that listeners want to hear, or follow a semi-guided set of questions for all interviews, which we'll be asking each other shortly. So Bryce and I have a very varied collection. Uh, essentially, I do a lot of Kaluboids, and he has a lot of a lot of things. Um, so that kind of brings that dynamic of, of the podcast a little bit, where we have uh, more focused uh, projects versus more broad projects and more experience all around the board.
1: With that being said, Kyle, what species do you keep?
0: Um, I keep a lot of boards, like I said. Um, any, anything from... Like corn snakes to Honduran milk snakes to African Mm. file snakes, African house snakes. Um, I do have a false water cobra, uh, a leopard gecko, and a Taiwanese beauty rat snake.
1: Man, that is a good collection.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what about you? What all all do you
1: have? My collection is pretty small at the moment and is definitely growing, though. Uh, Some big projects for this year, but currently I have some Honduran milk snakes. I have all pythons, I have a bearded dragon, and I have red-eyed tree frogs. And then I have some cultures of isopods, if you want to put that in there. but
0: Yeah, I, I definitely did not mention my isopods either. Yeah. But, um, I, I think that's kind of part of the podcast, too. Maybe yeah, we'll bring on, definitely. Maybe we'll bring on somebody in the future for, for isopods.
1: Well, we have pod in the name, isn't that what that's for? Isopod? Think, uh, well,
0: not really, but it could be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it could be anything we want. Yeah, it's, it's
0: whatever your imagination en- entitles it to be. So,
1: how do you keep your false water
0: cobra? Uh, currently, my false water cobra is going to be getting an upgrade here soon, but he's in a four foot by two foot by two foot Viv. Uh, mm. I, I do keep them a little bit differently. Um, for the, the false water cobra, he's the only one that I have that's, that's well, I guess not the only one. He's one of a few that I have that are on, uh, like, cypress mulch bedding instead of going bioactive. Mm. Uh, mostly just because if I put dirt in there, it's going to dirty that water bowl every, like, two hours. Easy.
1: Yeah, how fun are they to care for?
0: Uh, they definitely take a lot of patience, especially socializing right off the bat. Uh, they will test you. Very yeah. Much to see how much they can get away with. Uh, remember when yeah. I remember when I first got him, uh, and I would, I would start handling him, he would, like, kind of look at me, look at my finger, and just, like, slowly move towards it and open his mouth. <laughs> and just yeah. to see if you'd like if I'd stop him. And then if I'd mm. stop him, he'd be like, oh, okay. Can't do that. We'll try again <laughs> another, like, five minutes.
1: Have you ever had him hood up or anything? I know they don't do it that often, but...
0: Mine actually does it quite a bit. But it's Really? Not, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting, because he, he'll hood up, like, in my hands, but not even really taking, like, an aggressive posture. Mm. So, like, to me, it, it doesn't seem like he's doing it in an aggressive manner. Yeah. I mean, like I've I've had him hood up and I've directly went in there and grabbed him no problem. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he he hoods up quite a bit for for what what
1: he is, because he really doesn't bite very often at all. Yeah, and I've heard they have a a big diet, like they can have, they can eat multiple things. Not oh, just yeah. so rodents.
0: He actually very rarely gets rodents. Oh, okay. His main diet is gonna be birds. Uh. So he gets quail and chick quite a bit. Uh, occasionally he does get rodents, um, and occasionally he gets uh, like fish, like tilapia. Man,
2: tilapia?
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he eats better than I do.
1: Yeah, literally. <laughs> oh my. But,
0: um, yeah, I, I do like to do a lot of varied diets with most of my snakes. Um, and my gecko. Yeah. You know, I can't leave out my one gecko. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Actually, technically, I didn't even mention it. I do have a tortoise for right now. Uh, okay, what kind? Temporarily living in my patio. Nice. Uh, he's a an African sulcata, actually. There you go. But, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's getting a new home here soon. Is he a
1: little one right now, or?
0: He's about a foot long. Okay. Just about, maybe a little bit bigger.
1: Okay, so he's still pretty small. Yeah. For <laughs> a
0: sulcata. He's not, he's not massive yet. But you'll get there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He was a lost and found that got brought to me, and
1: uh, nobody could find the owners. So, uh, yeah, and yeah, and in Arizona, aren't there a lot of sulcata tortoises that get rescued a lot?
0: Yeah, so that's um, that's that's kind of a big thing with Arizona. Uh, the sulcata tortoises are everywhere. They are. You'll find those more than you'll find the native species at this point um mm. uh they they get moved around all the time. A lot of people get them as babies and they keep them in their backyard and then they get big and they burrow for winter and they burrow out of the yard and they're gone. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes they just get too big and the feeding bill gets too much and the owners don't want them anymore and they just let them go. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately it happens quite a bit.
2: Yeah, that's
1: crazy.
0: So you have the the red eyed tree frogs, right?
1: Yes. How do you how so, do you keep those? So right now I have them in a bioactive enclosure. Uh all live plants. I have some isopods in there. Uh they were all blue powder isopods, but there's white ones like a lot now. It's like a whole culture of them. So I don't know if I they got mixed up somehow at the beginning, but I got blue and white in there now. And I had
0: I had something similar with my powder blues. Yeah, I, uh, I I got them. They were powdered blues, mm. and then I look in there, and there's a bunch of oranges in there now. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, that's just how it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're, another thing, they're really loud, or can be. They're definitely during breeding season or mating season. Uh, the male is just constantly trying to get a female. Like you can hear him croaking over and over, and I love it though. And yeah, they're definitely a loud frog. I've, I've heard that. We were we were considering getting one for uh, a class pet. Mm. I just think
0: it would be pretty uh disruptive for class <laughs> during breeding. Well,
1: the only thing is he only does it at nighttime. Oh. I, I never hear him croaking during the, I never even see him during the day. I see him sleeping, but I never see him till like nine, ten ish. Uh yeah, he's definitely fully nocturnal. Um so with that I have to feed him at nighttime. Uh you can just put crickets during the day, of course, but I would rather have them not go dig and stuff, so
0: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So Bryce, you have a lot of different species. How do you how do you keep all of them? Like do you do racks or
1: are they all bioactive? That's a good question. Uh I really like bioactive and if I have to be fully honest, they are not all bioactive. I have my bearded dragon and the red eye tree frogs. In bioactive. At the most part, the fog tank, like I said, is fully bioactive, and my bearded dragon is mainly bioactive, but there's not too much you can do for bioactive or bearded dragons without them killing the plants or, I mean, any isopods get baked usually. And so, at the most part, the substrate, I have a lot of fake plants in there. And for my Hondurans and my ball pythons, uh, right now I keep them in a homemade snake rack. Uh, I call it a snake rack, but it's just a bunch of tubs that I have in a rack, and I keep them all on cocoa fiber mixed, not all of them, a couple mixed with, uh, cocoa fiber mixed with cork, I guess, and I do want to get them all their own enclosures, eventually, they're all babies right now, and I do, like, the bioactive setups for everything, natural setups.
0: Yeah, they're not housed together though right now, right? They're, they're no.
1: Tubs, yeah. Yeah, so they're all separate. Um, I wouldn't trust any of them with each other. I mean, yeah. probably nothing would happen, but I don't want to stress anything out. Yeah, Think Thing about the I'm Hondurans, sure. I don't know if yours do it, but I never see them. I mean, they're yeah. always just hiding.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I keep my Hondurans in a similar setup. I do that like Sterilite. Well, they're not. They're called uh, uh easy easy storage or something. Um, yeah. Tubs, but they're like. Initially waterproof, and so obviously you got to drill holes and stuff, yeah, but uh at least that ensures for me that nothing's escaping unless I drill a hole that's too big, but um I keep those all in there, and I do like a four to six inch layer of substrate, and they're they're all bioactive for the most part Uh but that's I, awesome I very rarely see my my Hondurans, especially at this age they're they're still pretty young. I do have yeah. one oh, he's still in quarantine there, well, she is still in quarantine she's pretty big she's about a year and a half old but um i think yeah. she'll probably be out a lot more than the rest once now they're at that age where they're big enough that they can uh feel more comfortable outside of the substrate
2: mm. But
1: yeah and Hondurans, if i'm uh right they are the third largest or in the top three largest milk snake species right
0: i think so i think they're one of the top three
2: Yeah, Um, they're they're definitely a big
1: snake. I've
2: I've
0: seen some like six foot. I've heard stories of some that were like seven foot. Mm. Um, So they can can really get some size to them when they get old.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and they They start off so small and squirmy. So squirmy. Oh, they're so squirmy. All of mine musk on me too when they're that young. Really? I've actually, I've never had one musk on me, but they'll bite me. Not that much anymore, but when they're younger, they would bite me over and over every time I put my hand in there.
0: Yeah, see, mine never really bit me. But really? Me every time. Without wow, yeah. Out, even if it was just like, pick them up, move them to another tub, I was getting mussed on. Like, like rapid fire, it was ready to go.
1: Wow. Yeah, no, I've never had any of them musk on me before. But uh, even
0: the, the older ones are are a lot better at it now. They don't musk on me as much.
2: Mm. As frequently. But uh, I do keep most of my snakes. Um, in bioactive tubs, which is something kind of new and
0: different uh, yeah. for the hobby, realistically. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the, the big bioactive enclosures, then you see the bare tubs. This yeah. More like in between, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, they're definitely larger tubs, but they're bioactive. So I do the substrates they can burrow. I do some plants in there, and I throw some powder blues or mm-hmm. whatever color that colony decides to produce for that day. Um, <laughs> that day. Right. There's, yeah, there's like purple ones in there now too. I don't
1: even. know. <laughs> yeah. What do you keep your beauties in? Are they in the tubs as well?
0: The beauty is still in quarantine, and ultimately mm. I think he's going to be in quarantine for a long time. Um, I did get some bad news about him. Oh no! That I probably should have expected. Uh, when I got him, I was told he was uh, captive bred, and okay. gave me a name of the breeder. I said, fantastic, mm. good enough for me. I went home, I went to go to contact that breeder, and I said, hey, I got one of your Taiwanese beauties from so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way I can get some, like, lineage or information on the parents and stuff like that? He goes, I haven't produced a Taiwanese beauty
2: since 1997. Oh, my. I said, yeah, this is, like, uh, a fresh hatchling. Yeah. So, oh, my. That, yeah, that I mean, sucks. I hit up the the person I got it from
0: and and they basically ghosted me uh oh my, so I'm convinced that this was probably a wild import, yeah, he's gonna go to the vet and go get his parasite treatment and everything,
2: yeah, yeah, that sucks, yeah, which
0: is unfortunate. luckily, I have some experience now with with dealing with wildcats. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite thing, and it kind of sucks,
2: mm but.
1: It's not like I can ship them back to Taiwan right now and send them free. <laughs> yeah. You said you keep file snakes, right? That's not really... I don't say that much in the hobby. How is yeah, that? I,
0: I have one cross-eye file snake. Mm. Um, and he was... That's the only other one that I got that was wild caught. And okay. at this point, fooled me once. Shame on me. Fool me <laughs> twice. Right.
2: Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so I was told he was captive. Born. And bred. Uh, He was most definitely not. He was riddled with parasites, but I got him. Oh, wow. Um, Or if he was captive breath, it was pretty poor breathing. Yeah. But everything tells me he was very much a a wild-caught import. So he got his parasite treatment. He did go off food for like... Not really like fully off food, but he was Mm -hmm. eating a pinky, which was far too small for him. That was all he would eat like once a month. Wow. For like six to eight months. That's terrible. Uh, but then he finally like picked it back up right back on food. Now he eats like quail and and uh larger mice. Uh oh, that's good then. But uh yeah, he's definitely getting his weight back on should be good. Unfortunately yeah. though, I I have seen signs of a neurological issue with him. So uh, I will not be a part of any weeding plants. Um, uh which is unfortunate, but I think I'll probably end up going and, and trying to get a pair of of uh the cake file snakes mm. and work with those instead.
1: Yeah, I don't see like do you know how many people breed file snakes in the US? Because I, I feel like I don't know anyone that probably breeds a them. Dozen.
0: Wow. Um there's probably more now. Yeah. When I when I got him it was definitely few and far between. The only information I could really get was was uh for one person and that was the only person that made a video and talked about him really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite
1: surprised as well. I mean, they're beautiful snakes, and I got a, a hold one at the last expo I went to. And the texture on them are—it's crazy.
2: Oh yeah,
0: they're
1: they're awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, and ultimately, there's there's uh, like the different subspecies and localities of them is is really interesting too. Yeah, so that's nothing. A species I want to dive or dive deeper into in the future.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't really want to jump into it too quick though. I'd rather work on the projects that I have and get those established more.
1: Yeah. So are you planning on breeding Hondorns then?
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know if they'll go next season. Mm. Uh, I, I, I almost want to wait until the season after, so two seasons from now,
2: uh, mm. before
0: pairing them just to make sure that the females are very much established and good to go.
2: Um, yeah. Potentially two females. Uh, I, I want to pair... I have a pearl that I got. Uh, so a pearl for Hunter and Milks is uh, uh albino anery hypo, mm. which looks basically the same as a snow, which is just albino um, anery. Yeah, um, but it has the hypo in there as well, so it can produce, you know, all three of those for
0: offspring if you pair them. With something else that has those,
1: yeah, Hondurans can be beautiful. I think they're one of the most like beautiful snakes about all the different morphs. Or they're not. That's there's not even that many different morphs. That's what makes it even better.
0: That's what's kind of beautiful about the Hondurans? And that's what I really love with them is it's like a dozen morphs at most, and some of them are very minor morphs.
2: Like, um, you're not really gonna focus on one morph, one of the more minor mm-hmm. ones. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: There's there's so much that's still it's nice because it's not like the, the ball python trade where it's yeah. like five million morphs and these five all look about the same, but there's one little tiny difference. <laughs> that if you're not looking for it, you won't notice it kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's like the beauty of Hondurans.
0: Yeah, I mean and every single Honduran morph is a pretty wide variety. Yeah. Is where they they've dedicated almost like a full time job working with these crocodilians and getting them
1: basically puppy dog tame. Yeah. So, Kyle, what species would you like to work with?
0: Ultimately, I'd, I'd like to work with the uh, beauty rat snakes. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, that little hiccup with the Taiwanese right off the bat isn't a great start. But yeah, in the future, that's stuffing a project. The false water cobras I want to work with a lot,
2: mm. um,
0: and I did get my male as a pair. So the female is actually with a friend of mine, so mm. the they might pair up. That's cool. But then obviously I went over the file stakes. So that's definitely a future project I want to get into. Yeah, but you know, as of right now, I
1: really just kind of want to focus on my current projects and and get to where I'm going. Yeah, that's pretty cool. One uh one of the snakes there's two main snakes I wanna work with in the future, uh one being Emerald Tree Boas and the other being Thai bamboo rat snakes. Uh one reason for the Emerald Tree Boas is just growing up I've always looked at that as such a big icon and how aggressive they can be for some people. And then you can see these other breeders that have them, you know, fully tame and nice, you know. And I just love to see how people breeders can work with a snake to get them that nice, and even false water cobras. Uh, like you were saying, I mean they can be very aggressive, but with time and patience, you can get a false water cobra to be nice.
0: Oh yeah, I've I've been I've been blessed to work with two very different false water cobras uh, mm. on opposite sides of the spectrum on that that one. So yeah, one that's just like super hand tame, no herc needed, pull her out, good to go, throw her on your neck like a ball python. Yeah. And the other, if you go in that cage, he is gonna try to rip your hand off. Like mm. you know, there's definitely the two spectrums of that. And uh yeah. the thing I think a lot of people don't understand is you you can't like there's some species that you can keep in racks. False water cobras are not one of them. Yeah. And the, the male that would eat, try to, like, eat your hand off, he used to be super hand tame, that he got put in a rack for a while. Mm. And it just kind of flipped something on him and he never went back.
2: Yeah. That's
0: definitely, like, to me, I, I love working with species that are uh, viewed as more defensive than others. hmm And then get them to that point where they're, like, super tame and socialized.
1: Yeah, one thing I love about the hobby, and like what you were saying, is everyone that's not in the hobby, they always look at at snakes to be, oh, you go near that, it's gonna bite you, or, you know, snakes are aggressive, you can't have those as pets, and then you show them a ball python, or something super simple that's like never aggressive, and I I think that's one of the best parts of this hobby, just educating other people, and Oh yeah. Definitely one of the main things.
0: Yeah, that's that's honestly one of my favorite parts of reptile keeping is just educating people. Yeah, on, uh, on really the beauty of reptiles. Like, there's no fear needed in them.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because it's not just snakes either. Uh, crocodilians. I mean, that's a, an amazing example of like they can be these aggressive ones you see out in the wild, but then breeders. Uh, you see, yeah, time and patience—they can easily get tamed down. At least American alligators, <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you see it all the time on on like the the social medias where they they've dedicated almost like a full time job working with these crocodilians and giving them basically puppy dog tame. Yeah. So Bryce, what is something that gets you excited about reptile keeping?
1: Uh, that is a good question. Uh, i talked about this already a little bit, or I guess we did. The education part of just educating others, showing them, showing kids just how amazing these creatures can be. And they're not anything to be scared of. And I think that's just the beauty of this hobby. And also, just like everyone you meet within the hobby. All these breeders are so kind, giving you, educating you on more stuff. And because no one is perfect, I mean, all these breeders, you can be breeding ball pythons for a 100 years, but a 100 years ago, I mean, actually, probably not a 100 years ago, 50 years ago, ball pythons were kept in 10 gallons, probably, you know? And so I think, yeah, the main thing is educating, I could say.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely concur with the education. In fact, there's so many, like, negative things going on in the hobby right now. That like yeah. it makes it sound bad. Like there's nothing to look forward to in the hobby. But realistically, these negative events just give us an opportunity to educate more people. Yeah, to really show people like these are not animals to be afraid of. These are pets, mm-hmm. just like your dog, or your cat. They're they're pets, you know. Yeah, and honestly, like one of my favorite parts of the hobby is going to expos and just talking to people. Literally. Because, like, there's, you know, it's like a, it's like any kind of Comic-Con or, like, any other convention. You're bringing in all these people that all have the same interest, the same hobby, or they're people that are, are getting interested in this hobby. And they're coming mm-hmm. in. And you have such a wide spectrum of the people who have been doing this for, like, 20 years and the people who have decided that they wanted to get their first snake two days ago.
1: Yeah. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. Uh another thing is uh you mentioned dogs and cats as pets. The worldwide, it's crazy how other things are kept. For example, I went to Cuba uh, a couple of years ago on a cruise and dogs were treated like rodents basically. And I mean, you would see dead dogs, you would just see wild dogs, and everyone that lives there is like you stay away from the dogs, you don't. Know? Dogs are not pets. And then you go here, and I mean, everyone has a dog, so it's like crazy, just to see how different it is in other parts of the world.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, everything varies in different places. Um, like I, I've always heard, like European keeping is very different than American keeping for reptiles. And mm-hmm. then like you, you go into like any of the the like other countries, it's it's all it's all different. But yeah, everybody's evolving with, you know, like we're all learning more about how to keep these animals.
1: Yeah. Is there any places that is on your bucket list to go herping like parts of the world? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously
0: Costa Rica. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If that's not your number one place to go herping, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Australia is definitely on there. Mm, And and I've liked Australia, Africa, and like the the rainforest of South America is definitely mm-hmm. up there. I can't. I don't know if I can order them in the top three. You know, mm-hmm. Costa Rica number one. Yeah, and the other three are kind of just tied for second. Yeah, like Australia. Yeah, I just... would be cool, but I don't know. I, I honestly might put Australia as three and then tie the other two for second.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's some... Australia is definitely up there in my top three as well. Um, just in a few days, I'm actually going to Africa. We'll have an episode about that later on. But I am looking forward to herping there. Definitely something I've been doing, uh, wanting to do my whole life. And crazy to see that everything's coming together for it.
0: I fully expect at least one picture a day of a herp <laughs> while you're there. Definitely. So I can live vicariously through you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll take even the the, um, the times I'm like almost 24 hours on the airplane. I'll I'll take a picture of a herp there. You better on find a nole
0: or something in one of the airports. <laughs> like you have to figure it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> are everywhere. I mean, that's your <laughs> duty. So. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to go to Africa sometime. That'd be really fun.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to three different countries. We're going to Cameroon, uh, South Africa, and Kenya. So, it's going to be quite fun.
0: Go look for those Kenya red African house snakes. Are you there?
1: Oh, yeah. there Definitely. Also. also, the king cobras. That's in Kenya. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think you can just pick those up. And... Oh, obviously. I mean... I, I totally might need a hook for the house yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you'll probably need a hook for the house snake, but the, the King Cobra, you'll be fine. Trust me. Yeah, I don't know if I, I want to even get close to I the house snake. expect you to be sending me a picture of you kissing uh, King Cobra. So,
1: <laughs> so wild King Cobra, yeah. I'll yep. be able to do that. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll actually, I'll hold a clutch of eggs, his eggs, with me ki- uh, kissing the King Cobra. I'll well, make I mean, that my goal.
0: Fast. That way, you know... Uh, the king cobra believes that you're just helping him
1: oh yeah definitely helping the match early
0: probably the safest way to do it
2: yeah definitely but on the games
1: i do expect some pictures of herbs yeah hopefully (laughs) if i find some good ones
0: (laughs) if you don't find any I'm just gonna be disappointed and we might not have another episode (laughs) of this (laughs) so Bryce, where can our listeners find you
1: You can follow me on Instagram at PrimeExotics with an X. Uh, The link will be in the description. I also have a Discord server that we go live on for the podcast. And you guys can come listen to us live if you guys would like. That will also be in the description. Where can we find you, Kyle?
0: Uh, So you can only find me on Instagram, really. Uh, Or that that Discord. Uh, You can find me on there as well. But Instagram, I am d20exotics. Uh, link will be in the description. Uh, and if you do come and listen to us live, uh, be prepared. We take a while and we definitely cut a lot of things out. But <laughs> you'll get firsthand all the bloopers and stuff for later. Yeah. So thank you all for listening for our first episode of Reptipod Podcast. Uh, and stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about Bryce in Africa. Have
1: a great day.